Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. We're in the second week of our series on relationships and last week we looked at intimacy in our relationships and intimacy is the experience of really knowing and being known by the other person. It's to know someone at an emotional, mental, spiritual and within marriage, sexual level. And intimacy is not limited only to marriage, but we can experience intimacy in our friendships and our relationships with friends and other believers. And if we use that definition of intimacy, then intimacy is the goal of every relationship. And the goal of our relationship with Jesus Christ is intimacy, to know Him and to be fully known by Him. And the goal of our relationships with other people is intimacy too. And the reality is we may not have it with everyone, but there are a handful of people, two or three people, two, one or two, that we can know and be known so well and is vital to our well-being. I also spoke about pride last week in my message, and I wondered, church, how we've been doing this week with pride. I hope that you've been able to say, I'm not going to be prideful anymore, and I'm going to instead be humble and uh, vulnerable with the people around my life. So you can listen to that message on our podcast. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless our time together today. Anoint these words. I pray that they will speak and encourage and assist and help someone today in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said, amen. Come on, everyone said, amen. Uh, My oldest daughter, uh, Joelle, turned 15 a couple of months ago, and I was just reminiscing and looking back and thinking about past memories, and I remembered when she was younger, about three, four years old, I used to read her uh, bedtime stories at bedtime, fairy tales and books uh, from Disney, and they all started the same way, once upon a time, and they all ended the same way, they lived happily ever after. Does anyone relate to that? Once upon a time, and then they lived happily ever after, but between those two phrases, those two sentences, a whole heap of things went on, a whole heap of crazy stuff was going down. You had dwarfs and poisonous apples, glass slippers and a carriage that turned into a pumpkin at midnight. Uh, You had people sleeping in a castle for a hundred years and a beast man who owned a rose that was in a glass dome and petals were falling off, all these strange things, but things always worked out. Things always resolved themselves. Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Belle, all the other princesses always ended up Marrying Prince Charming, and it was all good because all's well that ends well when it's they lived happily ever after. I wonder if you've ever wished for a happily ever after moment in your own life. In each of us, the reality is there's a longing, there is a desire, there's this part of our heart that would just so much love to have the happily ever after in our relationships. But if we leave behind the fairy tales and the Disney stories and look at God's word, the Bible, there are no, they lived happily ever after, stories. And the reason because of this is because there's no friendship, no achievement, no marriage, no thing or experience can, de- can deliver happily ever after. Only Jesus can deliver that. And I know that he definitely said ever after, but he did not necessarily guarantee us happily ever after. To really know and be known by another person is important, but even more important, 
is what we learn from intimacy in knowing another person. And what we discover is that we've fallen and that other person has fallen. We realize that we have a need for a savior to save us and a savior in whom there is true intimacy that can be found. His name is Jesus and he wants an intimate relationship with you and I and us today, church. And perhaps today you're watching this today and you don't know Jesus Christ. You don't have a relationship with him. I'm going to invite you to enter into that journey at the end of my message, to have an intimate relationship with him uh, at the end of my message. All marriages, all intimate relationships and friendships face something in common, no matter what uh, your experience in life. And this thing that is in common that can make or break them, it's no matter your age, your upbringing, no matter your ethnicity, your culture, no matter your religious beliefs, we will all experience it. What is it that we'll experience in every one of our relationships? It is this, all relationships face conflict. And what I've found is that the more intimate the relationship, the more conflict we will face. Not all conflict is bad though. A healthy relationship doesn't depend on how you, on if you fight, but how you fight. I love what Max Licardo says. He says this, conflict is inevitable, but conflict, uh, sorry, combat is optional. Conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional. So what's the right way to do conflict? To fight, what's the right way to fight in our marriages and our relationships, our friendships, with children and parents and our friends and work colleagues and our boss? How can we do this better? Let me share with you today some keys uh, on dealing with conflict. And, and the, none of these are new thoughts. And uh, you may have heard me even speak about them previously in the past. But I believe that they, really, they are really good keys to help us do conflict well. They've helped me in my life. They continue to help me as I continue to remind myself of these thoughts. And so today I pray that they will help you too. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing we need to do is one, don't play fair. Gabby and I have been watching this old TV series on uh, streaming TV and it's called The Shield. And I don't know if you've heard of it. I don't know if you've watched it. It's from the early 2000s, so it's very old. And it's about these corrupt police officers who are running this special strike force in Los Angeles. And it's a strike force to combat and deal with gangland violence and uh, drug uh, crimes. And it's pretty full on. You know, I, I don't suggest maybe you watch it with your kids, but if you pull back all the, 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 the layers and the plots and the themes and the action and the drama, you'll realize that there's this common theme that most of us would be familiar with. It's people getting back at other people for something wrong they did to them. It's the tit for tat, the payback, the giving them what they deserve. And it's a common line in the series when someone is finally put in, G in, in prison or, or put in a slammer. They say, it's not fair, they deserved it. Ever said it's not fair? Ever said this person deserves what they're going to get? Ever decided in your heart, or your mind, I'm going to pay that person back for what they did to me? Come on, let's be honest today. Most of us at some point in our life will have thought those things, said those things. The question is, why do we think like this? The answer is because we have this thing that people should play fair. The only issue is that playing fair is the quickest way to ruin a relationship. 
Playfair means good for good and bad for bad. It's a philosophy that says, if you treat me right, I'll treat you right. But if you treat me wrong, you better look out because I'm gonna treat you wrong too. You're gonna get what you deserve. In conflict, it means that two people give each other what they deserve. But that's a huge problem because relationships will always take a hit when we give people what they deserve. Instead, if we wanna see our relationships thrive, we need to put aside what someone deserves and give them what they need. I mean, they may deserve to be punished, Maybe what we need to give them is what they need and is our love. In Matthew 5, 38, Jesus said, You have heard that it is said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. When that person fouls us, we rise above the situation. We rise above the offense and we help them to be better, we help them to be the person that they need to be. We don't simply get even with them. We give them a response that heals instead it escalates the playfair war. In Ephesians 4.32, it says, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. It's amazing how God doesn't operate on this playfair War, war ground. See, Jesus dying for our sins is not fair. It's not right. It's not what Jesus deserved. And yet that's exactly what God did. Instead of giving us what we deserve for our sins, he gives us what we need for our sins. Jesus to die for us. And God gives us salvation and eternal life and heaven. And he offers us intimacy and relationship with him. Number one, don't play fair. Number two, check your reflection. Check your reflection. Many years ago, when I was a much younger man than I am now, I worked at Victoria University uh, in my early 20s, and I used to work in the IT department of the university. Um, and so there was a uh, precinct of computer labs that we had, and there was a help desk in one of those uh, areas. And so you'd have students who would come for help uh, at the help desk and you'd help them with printing or computer issues or helping them with their work. And so at the back of that help desk area, there was an area for uh, uh, some computers for the staff, some big workbenches to where we could repair and rebuild computers and do all those types of things. And there was this bit of a strange setup in this help desk area. Uh, at the back, there were these uh, one-way mirrors that would look into the computer labs. And so we as the staff could see into the computer labs and see the students, but they couldn't see us. Instead, what they saw was a mirror. And it was really funny watching how people would sort of interact with these mirrors and you'd see uh, students, so many times I experienced this, a student looking at themselves in a mirror. And you know, oftentimes be young female, but also young, young men as well. But you know, they would be looking in the mirror, doing their hair, applying their makeup, putting some lipstick on, or, you know, pouting in the mirror, doing the whole, you know, you know, the, the, the blue steel and all those kinds of stuff. And some of them really liked that reflection that they saw in the mirror. When you look in the mirror, do you recognize the reflection that you see? You may recognize your face, but you may not recognize some other things 
about yourself. See, we don't often recognize the, the bad attitude that we have. We, that we don't recognize that we speak harshly to others, that we're overly critical, we're selfish, or that we overanalyze things. We don't recognize that we're always negative or self-absorbed or, or some other issue that we may have, that you may have, that you're not aware, aware about and that you don't see. And even when someone points it out to us, whether, whether in godly grace or you know, angry getting fair at us, we don't see it, we deny that it's true. And by refusing to see ourselves correctly, that we are just as part of the problem as the other person, we set ourselves up for unresolved conflicts in relationships. Let me let you in on a secret. Oftentimes the issue is me, it's not my wife when we have conflict. Romans 12, three, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. We need to consider our part in the conflicts and problems we face in our relationships. So I need to say, Bronson, how am I contributing to what's happening here? How am I uh, attributing to what's occurring? What am I doing that's adding fuel to the fire of this conflict, this fight, this argument? What's my role to play in resolving this conflict? For some of us, there's a deeper issue inside of us that needs to be resolved before we can resolve the conflict around us. There's something inside us that, that, is, that is fueling the way that we are. And we need to resolve that before we're ever going to be able to resolve the conflicts around our lives and addressing this inner issue, causing the, which is causing the outward conflict, could make a huge difference in us, which will then help us to deal better and to do conflict better in the relationships around us. So one, don't play fair. Two, check our reflection. Three, know and understand. Write that down. Know and understand. In the relationships we have, out of all the people you know, how many do you really know and understand? We may know facts or events about a person's life, but do we understand at a deep level how those events have affected that person's life, has had an impact upon them mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually? And perhaps your best friend or your spouse, you, you know their life story and you know about events that happened. You know, maybe they came from a broken home or, or they faced abuse in their lives or their mum and dad passed away at a young age or they were betrayed or they were bullied. And whatever it is, we know this, but have we ever taken a moment to stop and understand that it might still affect them even till today? It might still have an effect on their life. And when they lash out in anger, when they argue, when they fight, when they run, when they make a scene, could it be because of this hurt that they are still carrying in their lives? And when a memory from the past comes flooding in, do we get alongside them and comfort them and love them and pray for them and care for them and be close and, and help them through what they're going through? Or do we just turn around and tell them, get over it, get on with it, and get on with life. Romans 12, 15, be happy for those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Be happy with the happy, weep with the weeping. 
often we face conflict because we treat events in our friendships, in our spouses' lives, in our children's lives, our friends' lives, as if they're facts about them when they are actually moments that have shaped their lives, molded them, made them who they are, and continue to impact their behavior even to today. We need to do more than just acknowledge their pain from a distance. We need to be like Jesus. He was compassionate. He was present in the midst of the challenge that people faced as they, as they were lingering in their past. Jesus was there for them. Let's be there for the people who we have intimate relationships with. One, don't be fair. Two, check our reflection. Three, no one understand. And fourthly and finally, for the other half. Let me say it again, for the other half, if you're taking notes. My dad, he loves adventure from a young age of working on uh, drilling sites in the Northern Territory and parachuting out of aeroplanes, doing things like that, to sailing a boat from Melbourne to Darwin at a young age, to more recent years of earning his master diver accreditation and touring Europe on motorbikes. He loves and lives for adventure. Me, I'm a little bit less for the adventure and more for just the regular life. Uh, but you know, back in September 2017, my dad, he was out uh, doing some riding on sand out in this like a desert sanding area on his motorbike, his BMW motorbike, and he had an accident. And after the accident, he had to ride uh, 150 kilometers back to civilization. And as he did that, he had a broken leg. Uh, his ankle was, was busted up. He had a, a wrecked shoulder. Uh, 150 kilometers, he, he rode back like that. And that don't make him like that anymore. You know, my dad's a tough guy. And all up, he was out of action for about 12 weeks. And one thing I learned from uh, that uh, event in my dad's life, well, two things. One, don't ride motorbikes. But the other thing I learned was that you have to complete your rehab, not just part of it. So my dad had to get rehab for his shoulder and his legs and the, and the um, oh, whatever you call those guys, <laughs> told him, I had a mind blank, I can't remember, told him you need to complete your rehab, physio, physiotherapist, that's it. He said it was extremely important if you stop halfway through your rehab, you're never gonna get full range of motion, you're never gonna get complete healing, you're never gonna fully recover and heal properly. And this is a great lesson for us, church. This is a great lesson for our relationships. When our relationship or our marriage is in need of healing, when a marriage or relationship is in need of healing, many people work through conflict until the pain subsides. They work through the conflict until the pain subsides. But listen, church, listen really carefully today. We need to walk through conflict until, we, we may work through conflict until pain subsides, but we don't realize that just because the pain has subsided, it doesn't mean the root issue has been addressed and healed. Colossians 8, uh, 6, 9, let's not get weary of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. It's important not to quit halfway through resolving conflict, halfway through working out the deeper issues causing the problems, halfway through your recovery. 
and it can be painful to keep working on the issues just like it's painful to keep going back to the physiotherapist as they manipulate the muscles as they break and tear it down so it can come back stronger but you need to do it rehab stretches your muscles your tendons it repositions bones and it hurts but it's absolutely necessary Resolve the underlying problems, not just the pain they cause. Don't play fair. Check our reflection. No one understand the other half. As I finish up today in conflict, I've come to realize that I can't change people. I can't change my wife. I can't change my kids. I can't change someone in my church or someone in my workplace. And maybe you've come to that conclu conclusion too and we can nag and twist and orchestrate and manipulate people to try and get an outcome that we want to achieve but how much does it really change them how much success have you had that doing that with your friend or your husband or your wife or your children or parents or your neighbor or your boss or family member how much success have you had if you're like me the 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 answer the honest answer is not much we can even go down the spiritual route and pray that God will change them. And pray for God, God, would you change that person? Would you change my spouse? Would you change my child? Because, you know, they're the problem. If they would change, everything would be better. Life would be good. We could live happily ever after. But what I've found, the best prayer to pray is not for them when it comes to conflict, but for me when it comes to conflict. The best prayer I've found to pray in conflict is that God would change me. And not only change what I do, but change who I am on the inside. James 4.1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So I don't want to just stop doing what it is that I do. And you don't want to just stop doing what it is that you do. Whether it's stealing or cheating or lying or getting angry or sinning. I want to change who I am. Not just what I do, but who I am. If I change who I am that what I do will change all by itself. And to go from who I am, a sinner, to who God wants me to be, a child of God. And that's your happily ever after story today. The happily ever after story is this, that I go from a sinner to a child of God. And only God, only Jesus can change who we are. Today, maybe you don't know that happily ever after story. You need to receive Jesus Christ in your life today, maybe you think that everything else around you needs to change for you to experience a happily ever after. No, if you know Jesus Christ, that he says that you will experience eternity with me, that you will live with me forevermore. I said at the start of my message, this, this uh, quote from Max Licata, conflict is inevitable, but combat is, is optional. We can choose healthy conflict or unhealthy conflict only one will lead to stronger and healthier relationships. Choose healthy conflict. It's not easy, but it is worth it. Let's pray, church. God, today, I just pray that you would help us as a church, as a people, as married people, as people in relationships, as parents, as children, as managers of businesses, as friends and family, that you would help us to manage conflict well. That, God, you would help us to do it right. And Jesus, I've talked about some keys today that can help us in that area, but the biggest key is that we would come to you, God, and we would say, God, change who I am. Because in the changing of who we are, 
the changing of what we do happens all by itself. So God, today I just pray all across our church. Jesus, you're changing us. You're making us more like yourself. God, you're working in our lives. Holy Spirit, you're leading us. I pray this week, if there is conflict in our lives, Jesus, that we'll use these keys that are spoken upon, but we'll also be led by the Holy Spirit to respond and speak and act and be in the way that you've called us to be, Lord God. Maybe today there's other people here, and as I've been talking about conflict, the biggest conflict you need to resolve in your life is actually the conflict between the fact that there is a God who sent his son to, 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 to save you, but you have not yet received Jesus Christ as your savior. And there's a conflict there that you need to resolve. Today, God is saying to you, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you to fully know you and for you to fully know me. And the way to do that is to accept my son, Jesus Christ, as your savior into your life. Today, I want to give any person, any man, any woman, any child that opportunity today. And it starts with a simple prayer. It's a journey. It's a lifelong mission. But it starts with a simple prayer in every one of our lives. And the prayer is this. Jesus, I give you my life. I want to have an intimate relationship with you. Say it with me. Jesus, I give you my life. I want to have an intimate relationship with you. There's more to it. There's more that you need to know. There's more that you need to learn. But at the very start, that's what it is. It's inviting Jesus into your life to have a relationship with him. God, today, if any person's prayed that prayer, if any people have prayed it, I pray right now that you're coming upon their life. I pray that this week, right now, that they would experience the amazing presence of Jesus Christ in their life. That they would know what it is to have a friendship and a relationship with you. In our normal, natural lives, there is relationships that we have that are just so enjoyable, that, 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 that bring a, an excitement to our lives. I pray, God, that they, were, that they are feeling that right now. The greatest relationship we could ever have, the relationship with Jesus Christ. So bless their lives. Come upon them, guide them, and lead them this week, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.